Hello and welcome to the Broken Bat Breakdown Podcast. My name is James McCool and I will be your host for the weeks leading up to the 2018 MLB season. I'm going to be breaking down pitching for all of the teams in the major leagues. Uh, we are going to go over every single pitcher that has done at least 20 innings pitched for each team in the 2017 season. That includes players that are still with the team and players that are free agents right now since they're probably going to land somewhere. We might as well break them down in order of where they last played. We're going to be looking at things like regression analysis, normalization, um, percentages that they had against league averages, some of uh, some of the projections moving forward on guys that we like, on guys that we don't like. We're going to be looking for guys that we want to attack. We're going to be looking for guys that we want to utilize when other people are off of them. We're going to be doing a really good job of trying to get into things and really find the gems for the DFS season on both the side that we want to use and the side that we want to go against. On top of this podcast, I'll be putting together a visuals packet, which interested people can have later on. That will have all the data that I've compiled for all of the pitchers in this little uh, experiment in this podcast we go over. So if anybody's interested in that and having the visuals for their DFS season, then that'll be available later on once we get closer to the DFS season. But for now, we're going to start with the Angels and move all the way through the Yankees, go in alphabetical order. So today we have the Angels with Shohei Otane, who I'm sure I'm going to butcher the name of for the next calendar year. Uh, He is a hot topic right now. He's somebody who a lot of people are excited about. There's a lot of hype around him as a two-way player. Uh, We will get into him and the rest of the starters and the rotation pitchers for the Angels, as well as the FAs like Ricky Nolasco. Um, We're going to talk about all of them on this podcast. So without further ado, let's get into things and start talking about some pitching for the 2018 MLB season. But it's right to start with Shohei Otane, and he is one of the most polarizing players coming into the 2018 MLB season. Uh, everybody knows this is a two-way player coming over from the Japanese leagues. Uh, he is an incredible pitcher, well, was an incredible pitcher over in Japan, um, with really, really high strikeout numbers, low walk numbers, low home run numbers. I mean, he's basically as elite as you can get over in the Japanese league, with a K per nine of about 11, between 10.5 and 11, uh, home run per nine below .5, not allowing very many hits. I, I think his average hits per game was somewhere around five or six, which is incredible. On top of that, he was also a 300-plus hitter over in the Japanese league. His batting average for 2016 was a 322 with a 588 slugging percentage and a 332 in 2017 with a 540 slugging percentage, um, an OPS above 900 in these last two seasons. So for him to come over and join the Angels is a really, really big thing. Uh, he is injured, though, which is we, – we don't know where that's going to lead. Um, he might need Tommy John surgery. He might not. It might be major. It might be minor. We don't know. So when we're considering that and we're considering what to do with him, we're not sure where he's going to fit into this rotation or if he's going to play or if they're going to be safe with it. If he plays, I think that he brings a huge, huge, huge advantage for this team moving forward. Um, I already thought this team would be a dark horse for a playoff run uh, after adding Zach Cozart and Justin Upton later in the end of last season. So getting rid of Ricky Nolasco and adding Shohei Otane is going to really, really boost them. Um, 
but like I said, injury concerns, we're not sure what's going to happen with that, so we need to keep track on that and see where it goes. Uh, streamer and depth charts both have very, very high aspirations for Otane moving his numbers over into the major leagues. A uh, bit higher of a walk rate, 3.57 projected, a uh, bit higher of a home run per nine, 1.08 projected, but a 29.6K percentage projected forward and a 3.48 ERA projected are all very, very nice numbers. Um, put him against the baselines from league averages last year. We have over 4K per nine more, a uh, higher K per walk rate, a lower home run per nine. It, the, the aspirations are really, really high, but everybody knows that. It's just dependent on how his injury concerns work out. Next up, we're going to hit the free agents coming out of the Angels from 2017, and that includes Jesse Chavez and Ricky Nolasco, both who are pitchers on the declines of their careers, uh, been in the league for a long time, both have stats moving back towards 2008, been on plenty of teams, been journeymen. Uh, we'll hit Jesse Chavez first. I don't know that anybody's going to pick up either one of them, but I kind of figure it's worth talking about them just in case they do. That way we have something to go off of. Uh, moving forward, and I don't have to go back and retrace my steps and all of that stuff. So Jesse Chavez was somebody who was a below-average pitcher last year. Hasn't really had a good season since maybe 2013 with the Athletics, where he had a high, a low-ish Babbitt, but good hard percentage numbers and good soft percentage numbers. And those things have kind of gone out the window. I mean, when you look at the progression of his career, um, he still has decent stuff. He still has an above-average K per nine. He still has a below-average walk per nine. Um, the control is still there, but when he gets hit, he gets hit really, really hard now. His hard percentage numbers have gone up. Uh, they have a trend line that continues to show it being above 35% moving forward, and his soft percentage numbers have gone down. You can see, if you look at his batted ball statistics from the uh, last couple of years, they're nothing compared to what they used to be. You can see them all going down. Um, he's allowing less and less opposite percentage shots. Um, it just looks really, really bad for him. So uh, when I look at him, I know that his ERA and his fly ball numbers are eroding. Uh, he has an average of 37% fly ball. Last year, he was at, uh, let's see, yep, 37%, which is two percentage points above league average, and I don't see that getting any better. When we match that with, an, with a seriously rising hormone fly ball rate across the league, but also with him alone, he had an 18.3% home run per fly ball last year. Um, I don't see it dropping below 15%. So with those fly ball numbers rising and the home run per fly ball numbers continuing to rise with the league averages, with this air ball thing going on, uh, it just doesn't look good for him. He's going to be giving up a lot of home runs. I don't see him being a rotational starter again. I he Maybe he'll get picked up and be a bullpen arm for some team that needs a cheap tag. I can see him having upside on that. But he's not going to be DFS relevant. He's not going to be something that you want to pick up for your fantasy leagues, no matter where he goes. Uh, when we look at him, it, the Sierra shows a little bit of upside. He did have a 4.4 Sierra and a 5.35 ERA, meaning that he probably had a little bit of bad luck. He had a high BABIP up in 306, but he's had a BABIP above 300 for the last four years running. So I, I'm not sure that that's actually going to go down. 
Um, when we look at his splits, he's always been somebody who's been a little bit better against lefties if we consider power potential. Um, a slugging percentage of 4-6 against lefties and above 5 against righties, more home runs to righties, lower BABIP against righties. Uh, all of this is just saying that he's somebody who might have upside in a bullpen setting where he can still utilize the control that he has and he can still utilize a low walk rate and a decent K per nine, but he's going to give up a bunch of home runs. And if he does get picked up by somebody as a rotational starter, maybe a fourth or fifth arm, um, we're going to want to attack him all year long. His hard percentage numbers are rising. Fly ball is rising. Home run fly ball is rising. He can't get soft contact anymore. And his Sierra is the worst that it's been in his entire career. So with all of that, Jesse Chavez is not somebody that you're going to want to use, but somebody that we're going to want to attack if he does get picked up by another major league team. Next up on the free agent pool is Ricky Nolasco who is being a free agent after having a pretty decent season with the Angels. I mean, he had a very elevated home run per nine. Home run per fly ball was up. Uh, hard percentage was up. Medium percentage was down. Uh, the most concerning part was the soft percentage was down three points below league average, and I don't see any reason why it would turn around. I mean, he's had uh, a 17% soft percentage in his career. But that includes a couple benchmarks earlier in his career of having uh, a couple – season straight of 20%, 17, 17, 23, 17. And then since then, the last five years have been 14%, 15%, 20, 14, 15. So I don't expect it to be anything above 15.5 at most, which is still below league average. Um, and those numbers are just going over into the hard percentages. He had a 37% last year, um, which is up from 34% the year before, 32% four years ago. Uh, he's definitely on the downswing of his career. He looks a lot like Jesse Chavez, if we're being honest. Um, K per nine, a little bit higher, sitting at 7.11 last year, which is uh, about 0.6 below league average of 7.72. Walk per nine is still below average, uh, but the home run per nine was a really, really big problem. 1.74 home run per nine last year. Um, his average over his career is 1.14, but I don't really see it getting back down that low again. I, I think that we could maybe see about league average, maybe 1.4, 1.5 if it normalizes correctly, but um, he was about on par with home run per fly ball with league average. League average 14.4. He was sitting at 15.6. Um, his fly ball percentage last year was 39%, which is just gross. I, I mean, he had 38% the year before. He's at a 35%. We can see it getting much, much worse from his glory days in 2011 and 2012. So he, he kind of has the same career arc going that Jesse Chavez did. Uh, we see the fly ball numbers inflating. We see the soft percentage dropping, hard percentages rising. Uh, the air ball revolution that's happening with these hitters in the league nowadays is really, really affecting these guys that don't have a great breaking ball that only have good command. Um, and we'll talk about that later on with a couple um, more name-based pitchers. Jake Arrieta is one that uh, we see his velocity is starting to drop, so he's trying to rely more on command, and it's not really working. So um, I'm worried about him, but we'll get to him when we talk about the Cubs. Um, Nolasco is somebody who has always been safer against lefties, but more upside against righties. He has an 8K per 9 over the last two seasons uh, against righties and only a 5.4 against lefties, but he does give up a lot more power. Slugging per percentage of 0.51 to righties and 0.43 against lefties. 
uh, 1.8 home run per nine to righties, one to lefties. So if he gets picked up, um, it, it's pretty obvious that we're going to want to attack him. This is somebody on the downswing of his career. I, I don't, I don't see any reason why he would get picked up uh, with all these young pitchers coming into the league. There's a whole bunch of upside out there. I, I can understand if somebody needed to pick him up just to have uh, a cheap fifth rotation starter. I mean, maybe the White Sox or the Twins or one of those teams that still doesn't have a good pitching rotation could go pick him up for cheap. If he does get picked up, then we're going to want to attack him in and out. I think the only reason why he had a home run per nine below about 1.9 to 2 last year was playing in that huge stadium for the Angels. Uh, if he goes to somewhere like Milwaukee, that would be hilarious. If he goes to Texas, that would be hilarious. Um, he's going to be giving up the fly ball quite a bit. He's never been somebody who's been a huge ground ball guy as is, and we've seen it being on the decline. So Ricky Nolasco is somebody who we will not want to use next year if he does get picked up. Um, we will want to attack him mercilessly, assuming his home run for fly ball rates are going to continue to be up above league average, and those soft percentages are going to continue to drop. Okay, now let's get into the actual rotational starters for the Angels, the guys who have been retained. It's going to include Alex Meyer, Andrew Heaney, Garrett Richards, J.C. Ramirez, Matt Shoemaker, Parker Bridwell, and Tyler Skaggs. I think that this group of starting pitchers being young and having a lot of upside, uh, Matt Shoemaker probably being the most veteran player on this squad, uh, is it has a lot of upside moving into this year, especially considering their addition of Shohei Otane. I think that this could be a high upside group um, going through the year. It has a lot of strikeout potential, uh, has some walk issues, has some, some things that they still need to polish up, but I think the raw talent for this pitching rotation really is there, and I, I'm pretty excited about it, honestly. We can start by looking at Alex Meyer, who had a very good year last year, 10.02K um, per nine, 5.61 walk per nine, which kind of sucks, but his K per walk percentage was about in line with league average, 11.3 to 11.6, um, allowed an average 195. Uh, his BABIP was really, really low. I do have concerns with that. He was sporting a 255 BABIP, meaning that he got lucky on a couple of the infield plays. Um, really good fielding, stuff like that was helping him out a lot. I do expect that to regress a bit, maybe back towards uh, a 280, maybe a 290 BABIP, something like that. League average last year was 299. So I would expect a little bit of regression in that area. But, I mean, the stri strikeout potential is real. Uh, in 2015, he had a 10.13K per nine. In 2016, he had a 10.3. And in 2017, he had a 10.02, uh, with the walk rate going down each year, starting at 10, then 6.04, then 5.61. Um, I would expect the walk rate to continue to improve. I think that we could see something in the low fives this year. And if you can keep the K per nine up there, then his K per walk rates are just going to continue to go up. Um, he might have a 2.0K per walk rate next year or something close to it. The home rate, uh, the home run rate was a little concerning last year, um, and not that he gave up a lot, but that he gave up so few. Uh, only a .8 home run per nine. League average was 1.4. I absolutely expect uh, some regression in that area. His home run fly ball rate was 11.3. League average 14.44. Um, he does allow 33% hard hit, uh, and that's pretty much been consistent. He's always had an over 30% hard hit rate. Uh, 33, 39, 33 in his three years in the league. Um, but his soft rate has been going up. It started at 11, moving up to 19. 
So if he can keep the soft percentages up and maybe transfer a little bit of that hard contact over into medium contact uh, and start kind of managing where he places the ball, maybe go inside a little bit more often with his with his fastball, uh, I really do think that the upside is huge for Alex Meyer. Um, that, that walk rate is going to continue to normalize, but somebody with such fire uh, is always going to walk a little bit more often than others. I think the main areas that uh, we're going to expect regression here is the home run numbers. Uh, with a BABIP so low, with the home run per fly ball rate so low below league average, I definitely expect those to regress a bit, but the upside is still going to be there in K per nine. If we look at his splits, he is insanely better against righties than he is against lefties. Uh, his numbers are better in almost every single category besides uh, op opposite field percentages and medium hit percentages. Uh, everything else is good against righties. Uh, against lefties, he has a 1.2 home run per nine. Against righties, it was 0.56. Against lefties, he has a 348 Woba. Against righties, it's a, it's a 276. Uh, BABIP numbers were way high against lefties, low against righties. I mean, this this is a guy who's kind of hard to project moving forward because he is so young, but I think that the upside is there, and I'm really excited to use him going into next year. I, I think that he's going to be a very, very good DFS asset, especially if he's priced under what he should be for his upside. Next for these Angels starters, we have Andrew Heaney, who's had a injury-played career uh, and is... I, I don't really know how to project him moving forward other than looking at his 2015 numbers, which were good but with less upside, and trying to mix them with his 2016 and 2017 numbers, which as an aggregate look good, but they're really, really short due to the surgery that he had to have. Um, in 2015, he had a 6.64 K per nine and a 2.38 walk per nine. In 2016, he had a 10.5 K per nine in only a couple innings before getting injured. And then last year, he had 11.22 K per nine and 3.74 walk per nine in the short innings that he had. So if we look at his career as a spectrum, I think that we can expect something like an 8.5 K per nine um, maybe a 3.5 walk per nine, something around that area, um, if we extend it over to 150 innings pitched. But we have no indication that he can go 150 innings. We don't know if those injury concerns are going to last, if they're going to be a continuous thing throughout his career. Uh, we can't really count on it, and it's really difficult to try to project forward when we don't know how many innings he can pitch or what those innings are going to contain. Um, the things that are probably most concerning from last year would be the home, rate, home run rate, obviously, because he had al almost a five home run per nine in the 20, in 20 innings that he pitched. Uh, but we can't do anything with that. His K per walk was very, very nice, 26% K percentage and an 8.9 walk percentage, giving a 17.8 K per walk, uh, which is six percentage points above the league average, which is very, very nice. It's just so hard to look at it and say, okay, well, we, we obviously know that, that is not who this guy's going to be. We know that he has upside. We know that he has good stuff. But we don't know how it's realistically going to translate as far as the batted ball statistics. Uh, if we just look at his 2015 stuff, his statistics are as follows. Ground ball percentage, 38. Fly ball, 39. Line drive, 22. Um, line drive percentage a little bit high there above league average fly ball above league average we would like to see his ground ball rate improve um, moving on to 2017 he did have a 45% ground ball percentage which is moving in the correct direction but again that was a very very short a very 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 short uh, sample size 
And then the ground ball percentage goes to 30% in 2017 in those 20 innings pitched. Uh, so I I, I want to say that it's going to be somewhere around 35 to 38, which is very bad. He looks like he's going to be a fly ball guy. Uh, he's never had a year under 35%, even in that 2015 season. He was still at a 39% fly ball rate, which is atrocious, especially if we're going to consider the home run to fly ball rate in the league should be somewhere around uh, 13 and a half to 14 next year. If 13 and a half to 14% of his 40% fly ball rate uh, comes to fruition, he's going to be giving up home runs left and right. At that point, I think that we'd be looking at something like a Denelson Lamette uh, kind of character where he's going to have huge strikeout upside. Um, I do expect him to have anywhere between an eight and a half and a nine K per nine, but that home run ball might be a serious problem moving forward. Uh, the hard hit percentage, medium hit percentage, at hard hit he was 50% last year, which obviously is not going to continue, um, 33% in that 2015 season where we have the largest sample. Uh, I would expect him to be somewhere around uh, 33 to 35. Uh, his soft percentage has never been over 15%, which is very concerning. Um, it, it just all points to somebody who has the upside but is not going to be able to limit that long ball. He, he's going to be somebody who is very reliant on strikeouts for his fantasy potential, which he'll probably be able to get those strikeouts. But um, how many two-run two balls is he going to give up? How many three-run homers is he going to give up? I don't know. Um, it, it's going to be very volatile in and out. And I think that if we're thinking of him from a DFS perspective, um, he's going to be only really safe against teams that don't have a lot of power. I, I mean, if you look at somebody like... Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they don't have a lot of power in that lineup. I would feel safe putting him out there for that uh, with his strikeout upside and knowing that they're probably not going to hit three home runs off of him, knowing that he's probably not going to give up four runs in those chunks. So just something to think about with him. Uh, he's really, really hard to project forward because we don't have that larger sample on him. If we look at his splits over his career, he has 47 innings pitched against lefties and 115 against righties. He has been better against lefties, although um, it's not really like we have a huge sample on that. Very, very bad against righties. Uh, slugging percentage, lefties, he's a 335. Against righties, he's 505. His home run per nine against lefties is a .38. Against righties, it's a 2.1. Um, and considering we do have that larger sample against righties, I, I'm really, really concerned about those home run numbers, and it's a broken record with this guy right now for me. Uh, that's going to be my largest concern moving forward. If we do see that those home run numbers are going to be suppressed, if he can keep his home run per nine under, uh, I, I guess I would say 1.75 to be safe. I think that that's being um, on the safer side of things. Then he's worth running out in DFS as long as his price doesn't get up there. But if he gets priced up, he's not really worth our time. I, my best projection for him is maybe a good Ian Kennedy with good strikeout potential, but a lot of home runs given up. Okay, now we get to talk about Garrett Richards, who is probably the number one ace on the Angels across from Shohei Otane. Um, he will either be their number one or their number two slotted, depending on if Shohei is uh, ready for the season with his injury concerns. But Garrett Richards has been very, very good in the seasons where we've had him as uh, in the actual amount of innings pitch that he needs to be in. Last year, it was obviously cut short. He had injury things from 2016, moving to 2017, and didn't pitch very much last year. 
Um, with that being said, last year his numbers were really, really, really good. Um, 8.78K per nine, 2.28 walk per nine. Uh, that gives us a good 3.86K per walk, which is well above league average. Um, if we look at that from a career perspective, though, he is a career 2.38K per walk guy. Uh, his walk numbers are generally much worse than they were this year. Uh, 2.28 is his best mark of his career. Um, 2.73 and 2.72 in 2013 and 2014, respectively, were the last times where they were below 3. Uh, 2015 and 2016 is the main sample that I want to go off of, where he was a 3.3 in 2015, 3.89 in 2016. So I would expect something like 3.5 walk per nine. Um, but the strikeout numbers have been consistently getting better. Um, started out in 2011 with a 5.79 in the majors. Uh, last year topped out at an 8.78. Uh, 2016 was an 8.83, so I do expect him to be a high 8s guy, maybe 8.5 to 8.75, something like that. So even if we do have his walk per 9 and 3.5, that's still a good number. It's still um, below league average or above league average for K per walk, excuse me. Uh, the main concerns here for last year's season are his home run rates. Uh, his home run per nine last year was a .33, which is just egregious. It's a full run, it's a full home run below league average at 1.41. His home run per fly ball was only a 4.8 percentage, and those numbers obviously are not going to stick. We look at his career though, and in 2012 he was a .89, 2013 .74, 2014.27, 2015.87, 2016.52. So we're looking at these home run numbers, and I don't want to think that he's going to be too far over a one home run per nine guy. I mean, this guy has been very, very good at limiting the long ball uh, in his career, and a lot of it has to do with his fly ball rate, which has always been below 30, with the exception of 2012, where he was a 32% guy. Other than that, it's all 28s and 29s, with a 23% fly ball rate in 2013. So I really like the upside of Garrett Richards here. We have a guy who has higher than average K per nine um, by about a full strikeout per game. Uh, he averages uh, 7.51, but if you just take the last four years, then he's averaging over an 8.3. Uh, that's really, really good. When we match that with a really low fly ball rate, a really good ground ball rate, uh, averaging 52% over his career, um, and low hard hit percentages, averaging 26 over his career, this is a guy that has all of the upside in the world to be an, a legitimate ace in this league. To add to all of this, his splits over the last two years have been fantastic. I, I mean, he's better against lefties, but he's still very good against righties. If we look at the on-base percentage, a .23 on-base percentage against lefties, .33 against righties. That's still below league average. .27 slugging percentage against lefties, .36 against righties. Still below league average. Uh, above league average, K per 9 for both, an 8 and a 9.5 to left and right respectively. The only thing that concerns me is this home run regression, which has to hit. I, I mean, I know that he's been very, very good in his career, but at some point you have to think that some of those fly balls are going to start to regress towards league average. Um, his home run fly ball rates, if if we look at those, it's 11.3, starting in 2013, 11.3%, 3.9%, 12%, 7%, 4.8%. Uh, that gives us an average of 9.5% if we include his 2011 season. 
I, I just don't think that he's going to continue to be below 10. I do see a little bit of regression in that category, but this is still a, an above-average guy. He's somebody who we're going to want to use on a very, very regular basis. And if you're looking at season-long, uh, th this is going to be somebody who has as much upside as Chris Archer, in my opinion. That's who I would probably relate him to the most. Um, I'm really excited about Gert Richards coming back from this injury. As long as he can do what he did last year in that short run, he's going to be a fantastic starting pitcher for this team. And next up is J.C. Ramirez. Uh, J.C. Ramirez was kind of an up-and-down player last year. I remember using him a lot in DFS in good spots. He doesn't have a lot of strikeout potential. Um, his career is 6.45K per nine. Um, which is actually exactly what he had last year for uh, the 2017 Angels season, a 6.45 K per nine. Um, it's, it doesn't scream upside, but he does have good control, and he does limit uh, the fly ball quite a bit. And that's one of the main things that I like about J.C. Ramirez going into the 2018 season. It's his ground ball per fly ball percentage trend in his career. In 2013 with Phillies, he had a .97 ground ball per fly ball. 2015, a 1.13. 2016, a 1.93, and 2017, a 1.7. So if we look at that, it, I mean, he took a dip last year a little bit, but I do think that he's going to continue to trend forward um, into the point where last year he had a 51% ground ball rate and a 30% fly ball rate, which is still really, really good. If he can keep that ground ball rate up above 50%, which I fully believe that he can, and that fly ball rate below 33%, which, again, I think that he can, this is somebody who has a lot of safety baked into whatever projection we're going to move forward with them on. Um, I don't think that he's a super attractive option for DFS unless he's priced way down um, in kind of the bottom, like, 25 percentile of the available pitchers on the slate. But if he does have a good matchup, I think that he has enough control and enough safety that you can feel confident moving him out there. If we look at his career ERA to, to Sierra, last year he had a 4.11 ERA and a 4.68 Sierra, which is close enough. I, I usually like to say if it's within, say, like 0.5 um, of ERA for the Sierra, then I think that I'm still confident in him being that guy. You know, it, it's when we get into runs. Uh, like somebody has a 3 ERA and a 5.2 Sierra or something like that. That's when I start to get fishy and when I'll start to attack them and see if I can catch them on that regression swing. But I like J.C. Ramirez's ERA minus Sierra numbers. Um, it, it's a .57. His Sierra was slightly above league average, 4.68 to 4.61, but basically right in line. ERA was a little bit below league average. It's just somebody who's going to be average but has a lot of safety baked into what he has. Um, he did allow a lot of hard contact last year, but it's way, way above his normal career trend. So he had 29, 34, 26, 36 in his career trend line for all of the years that he's played for hard hit percentage. I expect that to drop back down. I, I would expect something like 31 or 32% hard hit, and his soft percentage should jump back up. Uh, that's been the trend. So in 2013, he had a 20% soft hit percentage and a 29% hard hit. In 2015, 12 to 34. In 2016, 21 to 26. And in 2017, 16 to 36. So when that hard percentage drops back down, then the soft percentage comes back up. And I think he's really in line for a good year here. Um, his splits have been about even through the last two years, 107 innings pitched to lefties, 118 to righties. He does give up a little bit more power to lefties. Uh, he has a .989 home run per nine to righties and a 1.67 to lefties. Um, but the K percentages are about even, on-base percentage about even. 
Woba a little bit higher to lefties. Uh, but I would feel confident putting him out there in, in most situations, unless we have a serious platoon split on the other side. But yeah, I, I like Jason Ramirez. I think that he's going to be good. I think that he's in for a better year than he had last year. Um, if we could see that K per 9 take a step forward, that would be great. If he could uh, flirt with a 7K per 9 and be up there um, almost up to average with the league, then I'd love it. But if not, then this is going to be somebody who is safe that you can deploy out there when the price is right and in the right matchup, and you shouldn't have to worry too much about the fly balls and the home runs. Next up, we're going to have Matt Shoemaker, and the notes that I have on him are as follows. He had a down year in 2017 with big jumps in the hard hit percentage, fly ball percentage, and walk percentages. Career ERA Sierra about .57 runs below his 2017 numbers, so we should expect that to normalize back to what he should be. We would expect a Sierra of about 4 to 4.1, which is below league average by about half a run. Um, and with some normalization to his hard hit percentage and walk percentages, we would expect less home runs. He's a good upside player off of a bad year, and we would expect a low 8K per nine and a good 1.25 home run per nine with plenty of innings upside. I also noted that he has a lot of BABIP um, issues with his splits, but not that they're bad, just that they're really, really high for what he's put up. And his splits are actually really good. I, I mean, when you look at his his numbers against lefties and righties, um, allows a .26 average to lefties and .25 to righties, .43 slugging to both sides, uh, .31 Woba to lefties, .32 to righties. But he has BABIP above 300 on each side, leading, to, leading me to think that these numbers can get even better. I mean, I really expect a high upside year from Matt Shoemaker after having a down year in 2017. If you look at all of his numbers that we look at for DFS, so his hard hit percentage was at 30.8, 30.9, 30.1 in 2014, 2015, and 2016, and then it ballooned to 36% in 2017. You look at his home run per fly ball numbers, um, 9%, 14%, 10%, 14% over the last four years. His fly ball numbers, 39, 42, 36, 46. His ground ball numbers, 41, 39, 39, 38, those are about in line. Uh, and then his BABIP, 286, 285, 315, 276. So I, I just, I think he had a down year based on people being able to see where he was going. Uh, those hard hit percentages and the walk numbers, which were really, really bad, a 3.24 over his 2.08 career average, um, I just don't see it being that bad again this year. He was above average, above league average for the first time in uh, the last four years in hard hit and below on soft hit. He was about even on home run per fly ball, uh, but his home run per nine was 1.74 and the league average was 1.41. Um, if you look at his career home run numbers, they have been kind of trending forward 0 0.93, 1.6, 1.01, 1.74 over the last four years. But I do expect to drop back down to somewhere around 1.25, as I mentioned in my notes. The only other thing that I think is concerning is that Sierra... Um, in 2014, 3.19, 3.98 for 2015, 3.87 2016, and then a huge 4.6 in 2017. Um, and I don't know why it was so much higher. I, I mean, th this is somebody who has always been solid in their career, took that really, really bad line drive to the head, and then comes back in 2017. And I'm not sure if it was his confidence that was down. I'm not sure if he changed his approach. I'm not sure if he changed his arm slot. But it, it's concerning for his Sierra to be that high coming off of having a career below four. 
Um, that's the only thing that would lead me to believe that last year was a new start, kind of like a new version of Matt Shoemaker. But I'm more willing to bet on the career trends of having him be an, a well above average league pitcher um, with K upside as well. So with all of that being said, I want to use Matt Shoemaker right off the bat. I, I think that people are going to be worried about him off of last year, but I don't think that last year was the real Matt Shoemaker. I, I think we're going to see the 2015 and 2016 numbers with a little bit of upside. I think we're going to see that guy with a 3.5 K per walk. I think we're going to see the guy who didn't allow a lot of hard hit and only had a 30% hard hit rate. I think we're going to see the guy who was getting a lot of opposite field hits. Um, I, I'm really excited about Matt Shoemaker moving forward, and if he can regain that confidence, because I do think that that's what happened to him last year. I think he lost the confidence and he changed his approach. If he can regain that confidence coming back in, I think that he's he's a very, very good, usable starter. And in season long, I, I would pick him up later if I could, but I would want him on my bench just in case he does regain that confidence. Moving forward, let's talk about Parker Bridwell. Um, Bridwell was kind of a DFS darling towards the end of the season. Um, he was really, really putting up some fun DFS stat lines, uh, doing like no, no runs allowed and allowing not very many hits and this and that, but I'm pretty confident that Parker Bridwell is going to suck next year. And I'll tell you why. A couple things are concerning here. One, his ERA minus Sierra, his ERA was a 3.6, his Sierra was a 5.08. So we're looking at a 1.32 run difference between his ERA and his Sierra, telling me that the advanced statistics and the batted ball statistics show that he was way, way, way over his head last year. XFIP agrees at a 5.12, and even fielding independent pitching is a 4.9. So at a 3.8 Sierra, why on earth would we expect him to be able to continue that when his batted ball statistics are not agreeing with it at all? We look at his uh, BABIP at a, two, at a .253, well below league average. We look at his average at a .244, way below league average. Um, his walk rate was bad. His K per nine was bad. His home run rate was bad. Um, he allowed 33% hard hit, 15% soft hit, which is below league average, and that's fair. Uh, I just, I can't see a way for him to get away with what he did last year. His home run per fly ball weight was a 12.4%. And his fly ball rate was a 41%, which are both above league average. So that's not what we're looking at when we're thinking of the regression. What I think is going to happen is those outs that he got from fielding, those outs that he got from like a grounder up to second or something like that, are going to turn into runs. They're going to turn into singles. They're going to turn into doubles. And it's going to turn around on him really badly. And he is not really very good at limiting the home run ball. Um, in 2016, he had a 5.4 home run per nine. And in 2017, a 1.4. Uh, I'm pretty sure last year was his first year being a rotational starter. So that's to to give for his home run per nine. I mean, uh, bullpen guys usually have a higher home run per nine because of the way that they pitch and because of the way they're used. But a 1.4 home run per nine, I don't think is going to stick. I, I expect that to be higher. I expect some home run regression in his home run per fly ball. I would think that it would be somewhere around 15 or 16 this year. And if you match his home run per fly ball regression along with his Sierra and his uh, Babbitt regression, I think we're going to see him take a huge step back. I, I would expect an ERA of somewhere around like 5.3 or 5.4 this year. 
um, if I'm being kind of extreme about it. I mean, maybe there's a chance that he turns into like an Urban Santana kind of guy where his command is good enough to continue to get him serious ground balls. But here's the thing. He doesn't even have a good ground ball rate. His ground ball rate is only 38% last year, and for his career, 37%. Granted, this is a young guy, and maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh on him, but I really, really dislike when I see a Sierra that much higher than an ERA. Y'all know that I attacked Irvin Santana relentlessly last year because those two numbers don't mix well. Um, these these guys that are contact pitchers in this league with this airball revolution going on and this huge jump in home run per fly ball numbers all around the league, they're not going to last. I, I mean, the only way to get past these hitters nowadays is to have the stuff to fool them and to get them to swing and miss. And Parker Bridwell is well below average in his K-9 as a rotational starter. 5.52 last year, 8.1 with 2016 Orioles, but... Again, it's different when you're a bullpen arm against when you're a rotational starter. You don't have to go through the lineup multiple times. You don't have to try to fool guys with different tricks every different time. So, if Parker Bridwell ends up being a rotational starter, I will attack him every single time that he takes the bump. I will attack him relentlessly, and I will make money off of him, because I think that other people are going to look at him and say, Oh, he was so good towards the end of last year. Well, yeah, but the advanced stats don't agree literally at all. If we look at his splits over the last two years, um, he is entirely worse against lefties. Way, 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 way worse. Um, he has an average that is about similar, but we've already talked about that regression coming. But his slugging percentage is almost a full point up, 0.47 against 0.38. Uh, he has a K per nine that is less. He has a walk per nine that is twice what his walk rate is to righties. Um, the home run rate is about the same, 1.6 to 1.3. This guy, in my notes, I wrote him down as a ticking time bomb. I do not want any part of him. I want to attack him next year, and I would greatly suggest skipping over him in season-long drafts and not believing the hype on him if he does get hyped coming into the season. Last but certainly not least, we're going to talk about Tyler Skaggs. Tyler Skaggs, I thought, was a well-above-average pitcher last year because of how much I used him, but it turns out he's the most average guy on the planet. I mean, you look at his numbers, and he's within about a half a point of every single thing with the league. His K per 9 is .33 off, 8.5 to 7.72. His walk rate, 2.96 against 3.26. His home run rate, 1.38 to 1.41. His K percentage... 20.8 to 19.94. Everything about this guy, super duper average. And I think it was pointed out to me by somebody um, over at Daily Roto that the only reason why I thought that he was above average was because he was so cheap. He was just priced way, way, way better than the other average pitchers out there. So I just took advantage of it consistently. Um, I don't mind banking on him to continue to be average with upside moving into this year. If you look at his numbers, he's got a good career trend going with K per 9. Um, 2012, 6.44. Moving forward over the next four years, 8.38, 6.85, 9.86, 8.05. Um, his walk rate has consistently been getting better. 3.99, 3.49, 2.39, 4.17 in 2016, and then 2.96 in 2017. So that puts his K per walk in a good trend. Um, his home run per nine is, on good, is looking good as well, starting at 1.84 and then bottoming out at 0.72 in 2014 with a 1.38 in 2017. 
Um, the only thing that I think I'm concerned about here is his Sierra of 4.44. I don't think that he's ever going to be somebody who is an elite pitcher. Um, his ERA and Sierra numbers both suggest that. His ERA has never been below a 4, with his best mark being a 4.17 in 2016. His Sierra has been a 3.74 in 2014, but for the most part has been above 4, with a 4.36 and a 4.44 over the last two years. But his BABIP has been really, really high. Um, and when we look at when he had his best years, those BABIP numbers were below 300. And over the last two years, they've been a .331 and a .318. So if the BABIP numbers can drop back down, I really do think that there's good upside on Tyler Skaggs. I do think that he can be an above-average pitcher. And I do think that he can be like a, a slotted three guy in a rotation. His caper nine is good. He limits walks pretty well. His home run numbers aren't egregious. Um, he allows about league average hard hit percentage, 33.2 to 33.3. Um, and his soft percentage is a little bit higher than league average as well. So when we're moving in the season with Tyler Skaggs, I want to bet on the upside. And I want to think that he's going to have a slightly higher K for nine than last year. And that his home run numbers might regress a little bit. Um, and I don't think that that's crazy to think. He's coming off these two years of 2014 and 2016 where he had a .72 and a .91 home run per nine, and then it jumps up to 1.38 with the airball revolution taking place this year. But like I said, those BABIF numbers, if they come back down, I don't see any reason why he can't be an above-average starter and why I think that his price is going to be depressed to start the year. If DFS prices him like he was last year, then he's going to be underpriced. If DFS underprices him because he wasn't utilized enough last year, he'll be significantly underpriced. And with those two things in mind, I don't think that I see a situation where he will be overpriced. You know what I mean? Um, if we look at his splits, because we should talk about his splits as well, um, the only split is more home run prone to right-handed hitters. Uh, he does have a 1.38 home run per nine and a .59 home run per nine to righties and lefties um, respectively. So, but that's the only real split. Otherwise, his K per nine is about even, a little bit better to righties. His OBP is even, 3.4 to both sides. He allows slightly better average to lefties. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really like Tyler Skaggs moving into this year. And when we look at this entire group, like I said before I got into the retained starters, if you look at Alex Meyer and you look at Garrett Richards, you look at Matt Shoemaker and Tyler Skaggs, that's four pitchers that we can see true upside with. And then you have J.C. Ramirez and Adam he and Andrew Heaney, who are both kind of questionable, but have shown upside with Heaney and shown safety with Ramirez. The only pitcher that I really, really do not like in this rotation is Parker Bridwell. Um, and if, Shoha if Shohei is going to be the number one, if, if we assume a starting rotation of Shohei, uh, Garrett Richards, Alex Meyer, Tyler Skaggs, and Matt Shoemaker, something like that for a five-man rotation, I think this squad has a very, very good chance to be a, an above-average pitching crew, which they haven't had in years. And it's been one of the main things that held them back. So... To close out this pod, I think that the Angels pitching staff is going to be above average. I think that there's a lot of upside in Alex Meyer, Heaney, uh, Garrett Richards, Matt Shoemaker, and Tyler Skaggs. Um, and I think that there's some safety behind it, too. We need to look at the injury situation with Otane, but I really do like this pitching staff going into the season. 
Match that with Mike Trout being the best player in baseball with a good supporting cast this year, not having to depend on the ghost of Albert Pujols. And uh, I think the Angels could really, really make a splash in the playoffs. Um, I'm not sure if that's a hot take, but if it is, then I'll stand by it. Next week, we're going to go over the Astros, which have some very, very high upside guys, but maybe there's going to be a little bit of regression coming their way with somebody like Brad Peacock. We'll discuss it next week. As always, thank you for listening. My name is James McCool. You can find me over on Twitter at paydirt underscore DFS, and you can find me at Daily Roto, always lurking around in Slack chat, playing some basketball, and getting ready for the MLB season. Thanks for listening, guys.